and welcome to the FT's Big Deal channel sponsored by Baker McKenzie. In this episode, we're looking at how companies are using cross-border transactions as a tool to access new markets as they adapt to the challenges and opportunities created by the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Satwant Panda and joining me for the discussion are Brian Chia, M&A partner, Wong & Partners, Malaysia member firm of Baker McKenzie International, Janan Crozier, partner in Baker McKenzie's corporate group based in London, and Laurent Bouvier, Managing Director at UBS Investment Bank in London. Laurent, I'm going to start with you. Tell us, how are companies using cross-border transactions post-COVID-19? Look, I think the first thing I'd say is that our clients are still digesting what's going on, but we certainly believe that the perspectives for M&A in 2021 are looking pretty good. What we're really seeing appearing at this point in time, which I think is fascinating, is, is really two worlds. You've got a fast maturing value world on the one side and a tech driven growth world on the other side. The strategy for growth assets is to focus on organic growth, on pricing, on scalability. The strategy for a value asset is about global consolidation including cross-border. So if you're a management team of a large industrial company and within your portfolio, you've got growth assets and value assets, how are you going to manage that? And it seems to me that the logical way forward is to split the business into one growth component and to a value component. And that value component could then be free to implement the consolidation game. It's about the complete redefinition of what these companies are about. So that's really what's going to be the M&A driver for us. And, um, you know, we're really expecting there to be, you know, billion of transactions that will need to be made so that all of these value markets get consolidated. Janan, do you agree there with what Laurent's saying, that the perspectives for M&A in 2021 are looking good? Very much so. I think... At the start of COVID, we saw an initial pause on a lot of activity whilst companies tried to take stock of what was going on. I think given the longevity of COVID throughout the world, companies are now starting to recognise that M&A will be a key value driver in order to compensate for the erosion of organic growth. I also think COVID has created a window in which companies can look to do deals that pre-COVID would not have been doable, either because market pressure would have looked at the transaction in a different way, or because internally it would have been considered maybe a little bit too much of a bold or a risky move. I think now all bets are off. And actually, companies that come out of COVID the strongest will be those that pursue uh, a somewhat aggressive M&A strategy. Janan mentioned there the erosion of growth. Supply chain disruption has also been one of the biggest consequences of COVID-19. Brian, how are companies responding to that? And how are cross-border deals helping to reshape those supply chains? Yeah, one big theme that we're seeing coming out of COVID and, you know, the trade wars is the large numbers of China-located companies moving their operations and manufacturing out of China. In the early 90s, when, you know, thousands of companies piled into China, attracted by its, its low-cost base and resources, that really transformed China to this huge 
global Chinese factory which exported everywhere. But I think with the current COVID and trade war headwinds, many manufacturers are starting to rethink their China strategy. It won't be easy to separate and disentangle these supply chains. They really have been built up over decades, so it won't happen overnight. But I think what will happen is that manufacturing processes, they will become a little bit more dispersed and less concentrated in one country. Yeah, we had a a survey of CFO in China done about a year ago on the back of of the trade war, and it very much was what Brian just said. In fact, the three target countries that were identified for relocation of uh, the manufacturing were Vietnam, India, and, and Malaysia. And I think perhaps a nuance that came out of the survey was that uh, most companies were not necessarily planning on closing factories in China and move production abroad, but were thinking about incremental capacity being almost exclusively built abroad. And I think the general theme there is that I think there's certainly going to be a move towards regionalization. We hear that from all of our clients. And that may indeed, uh, in certain cases, lead to some cross-border M&A, because if you do not have the setup in any of these regions that allows you to serve it or to benefit from local suppliers, then it could certainly make sense to buy a company that already owns that ecosystem regionally so that you can you know, plug that gap. What role is private equity playing in cross-border transactions currently? Yeah, we see a lot of opportunity and growth in private equity. But the first thing I think I would say is that they are not immune to economic risk and political risk and COVID and so on. But there are, you know, unique features about PE investment that makes it so promising. Different funds have different cycles and levels of maturity. So this will continue to sustain deal activity. And secondly, these funds continuously fundraise. They need to show exits and they need to show credible valuations to build that track record and raise their next fund. So it goes on and on. Another theme that we see emerging is LPs, local partners co-investing with the fund. This shows an increasing appetite for deals. This in turn drives the availability of capital because the LPs are stumping up and putting more money on the table. They want a direct exposure to assets. They want an increased return. As a result, you know, this co-investment and joint venture will allow them to achieve this objective. Thank you. I'm going to go back to cross-border transactions. Janan, which sectors are seeing the greatest activity when it comes to cross-border transactions? I think COVID itself has accelerated a lot of technology initiatives, particularly in companies that were still starting to explore the tech landscape. So industrials will become big users of tech. But what I would say overall in the tech sector is we are starting to see a softening in valuations. And that's not to say that valuations aren't still incredibly high in this area. But certainly what we're seeing is those startup technology companies, they're able to access funding from a number of different sources now. They are wanting to stay independent longer. And uh, as a consequence, we're just not seeing as many of those smaller tech, strategic tech deals getting done. What I would also say, however, is given the slight softening in valuations, tech deals were pre-COVID, incredibly seller-friendly. 
Um, we are starting to see a little bit of a swing in the pendulum towards being more balanced. That is not to say we're seeing buyer-friendly tech deals getting done just yet, but I think tech will continue to be uh, a big M&A driver across all different sectors. Now, I think I think that's right. The current premium enjoyed by these growth assets is just mind-boggling. Now, you know, you ask about cross-border, just think about industrials. And within that capital goods, you've got 1.2 trillion of a market out there. And I think that we can probably fairly say that about 80%, 1 trillion, is falling in that value category. And if we agree that with COVID-19, we're moving to a world where the tech content is going to go, is going to increase, then that means that this one trillion of assets of markets will mature faster. And what needs to happen then is that as a logical response to any maturing effect, one needs to consolidate. And that has to fuel a lot of the cross-border M&A in the future. So I think that industrials will uh, compete quite fiercely for the number one position uh, in the future. And Brian, how is the rise of protectionism also affecting M&A? Yeah, protectionism is a big thing for China. There clearly has been a a major rise, you know, in the form of export restrictions, uh, tariffs, anything to do with data security, data privacy, you know, any industry involving the manufacturing of telecommunications, power, semiconductors, anything like that. I think clearly those are the first to move out from China. But it's also everything relating to medical goods, anything which one can, you know, a country might feel that they are over-dependent or over-reliant that might give a strategic weakness or cause a strategic weakness. There has been increasing scrutiny on foreign investment initially, and those were said to be imposed because of COVID. But it now seems that many countries are using this screening to protect or drive, you know, wider economic concerns to protect their their own economies. And Jadan, how are the changes in foreign investment rules impacting the time it takes to get a deal done? Significantly would be the simple answer in some cases. A deal that may have took three months pre-COVID, uh, you know, where foreign investment rules were a little bit more relaxed, it can now take anywhere up to nine months. That isn't to say, though, that that will become an, an absolute blocker to M&A, but I think it is something that is simply being factored into the viability of an M&A process early on and in the timeline for whereby sellers can expect to see a divestment of that asset. Brian, Janan, Laurent, thank you so much for your time today. You've had some fascinating insight there. Look forward to seeing how this plays out in 2021.